0: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code, program.
1: Naturally, yes, I could understand everybody's distaste and disagreeance in the way that I have chosen to live my life. And I, and I find it funny, too, when everyone's always coming and being like, he's playing you, he's playing. I'm like, technically speaking, we all know about each other. It's just... How much do you wanna know? How much are you choosing to know? And I trust the connection that I have with Nick.
2: Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend, I say.
3: Lovers and friends. Uh. I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say.
4: Hi there, lovers and friends, and welcome. I just touched the plant. It looked like I looked up to the heavens, for those of you who can see video. Because guess what? We're bringing video to the podcast. And what podcast is this? This is Lovers and Friends, hosted by Shan Boudram. I am a sexologist with a psychology educational background as well as a journalistic educational background. And I think that's so important to note, to understand where the vantage of the captain of this ship comes from. Anyhow, that to be said, uh, we've really been hyper-focused on my journey to becoming a mom to a second baby, my second daughter. And now I think we can get back on track. And one of the things that I've wanted to do, but again, just being so sidetracked with giving birth, I really wanted to address... The Jazzy Episode. And for those of you who are not familiar, I can't imagine you listen to this podcast and don't know this clip, but if you don't, here it is. What does a submissive woman do for her man? Everything. What does that mean? You know, like packing his bag, unpacking his bag, um, just making sure all the things that he wants. And I I pretty much read his mind. Now, in my... 10 plus years as a public facing sex and relationship educator who makes content for mass consumption never have i ever had a piece of my work be viewed by so many people and used as a source of public commentary in the way that, that one minute and 30 second clip was and then furthermore of course the popularization of the episode overall easily the most popular episode in lovers and friends and probably will be for quite some time And I'm proud of that in some ways, but I also felt really heavy during the time that this clip was performing, for lack of a better term, because I found a lot of the responses disheartening. And at first I found them disheartening, but later upon reflection, I wondered if there was something heartwarming about it. And that's what this episode is really all about. And let me explain what I mean by that. What I saw through the Jazzy episode were two predominant camps. There was mostly camp one that was comprised of straight men that were championing this and using Jazzy's words as a way to knock down other women who don't subscribe to her lifestyle. And then what I saw on the flip side from camp two was mostly straight women who were knocking down Jazzy's credibility in order to justify why this kind of lifestyle isn't actually palatable and isn't actually positive. Uh, I saw people unearth old clips of Jazzy or pick apart the interview and find certain parts and piece them together to try to create a case for why, even though Jazzy was saying, this is how I happily exist, this is how I love, people were like, no, you're not happy. No, this is not love. And what you're going through is something so much more dark and heinous than you are saying out loud, or maybe you're even aware of. And neither camp was one that I was interested in joining, but I was definitely interested in the perspective of you know, camp number two, who were so quick to try to discredit and disbelieve a woman who said, this is what I choose for myself. In many cases, people who were mad at me for not digging deeper and calling her out on her BS to say, even though I just met you today and I don't have any further lens into your life, based on what you're saying, as an interviewer, I am going to stop you in your tracks and tell you that your version of the truth is off base and here's what you're actually going through. I say that tongue in cheek, but yeah, many people thought that I could have done a better job of trying to illuminate for her why what she was explaining as positive was actually quite the opposite. And I thought about the term believe women, which became popularized a couple of years ago during the Brett Kavanaugh public job interview. I don't know what you call it in America. When a Supreme Court is trying to become a Supreme Court person, they have to go through that public job interview. Um, And believe women was a phrase that was utilized to defend women who are accusing oftentimes men of heinous and aggressive acts, often sexual acts, that we should believe them first and foremost, rather than looking for holes in their story or looking for motivations to why they would make it up. We just get on board and we believe them because we trust women and we love women. I thought to myself, does that not exist in the reverse? If a woman is advocating for a lifestyle that is non-traditional, or she is sharing a truth that is not in line with a truth that would be palatable to us, why do we not believe them? So I thought about it a little bit more. And then Abby De La Rosa, who is the guest on this episode, reached out to me. And Abby De La Rosa is many things, but most famously um, in the public eye, one of Nick Cannon's baby mamas. And Abby said, I wanna tell my story on your podcast. And that was a real cause for pause moment for me. Having just come out of that jazzy situation, I thought to myself, do I wanna create a space or a podcast where I invite people with divisive lifestyles and I put them up to be judged and criticized? Um, and do I wanna create a space where I'm only highlighting really unbelievable stories? And I don't say unbelievable in a negative way. You can have a piece of salmon that is unbelievable cause you just have never had a flavor like that and similarly, when somebody has a lifestyle choice that you just don't have a frame of reference for, there's something unbelievable about that. There's something fantastic about that. And I don't think there's another way to describe what's happening over in Nick Cannon's world.
3: 31-year-old Abby De La Rosa is also rumored to be expecting Nick's
4: child. Oh yeah, it's a lot to unpack. So here's a closer look at Nick's complicated family tree. The 41-year-old has fathered eight children with five different women. There are two more that we know of on the way. So I booked a call with Abby. My producer booked a call with Abby. And we decided to go ahead with the interview because Abby was grounded and level-headed and honest. And I thought it was a good exercise for us to lean in to ask ourselves, is this believable? Can we get on board with believing this? And if we can't, why? And if we can, why? And these aren't just questions to reflect on in regards to this particular podcast episode. They're questions to reflect on in regards to our relationships with, frankly, women overall. And I say women because this is traditionally a group of people who we look at as being protective of their romantic relationships, sometimes to a fault, sometimes to their own detriment. And furthermore, we look at women as people who need protecting, even if they're telling you, I'm completely fine. So I wanted us to chew on this together. What does it mean to believe women? And are there limitations to that phrase that we think we have a responsibility to override? So to kick this conversation off, I asked all of you, when your friends tell you that they are happy in a romantic relationship, do you really believe
3: them? No. I do believe them. I'll believe you if I could see you thriving as a person because a happy relationship to me
1: means that you're a happy person. I don't believe them. I believe that um, people are pretty secretive about their relationship if they have a history of being in what I consider to be toxic relationships, then I have a harder time believing that they're actually in a happy relationship. I think people tend to look at their partners and their relationships through
3: hopeful and rose-colored glasses. I like to take them for what it is that they say until I have another reason to not believe.
1: 100% because it is a none of my business. I will always have that thought in the back of my mind of, okay, but is she being transparent with me? I don't really believe when people, friends, just tell me that they're happy in a relationship because they're gonna say the most sugarcoated part, but I will believe it if I see them happy. But honestly, you just telling me, like, oh my God, I love me, it's amazing, the fuck does that mean? Like, I'm not really gonna believe that. And
4: the apprehension to believe our friends blindly makes sense when we consider the fact that a lot of us don't tell our friends the truth. And to confirm that, I asked all of you, how honest are you about your romantic relationships with your friends?
1: I'm about 75% honest. Kinda like 1%, 40%,
3: 65 to 70%, 80%, 50%. I would only share if we had an argument.
1: I share nothing. I'm like honest
3: when I break up.
4: All right, let's bring this exercise full circle. Now, I want you to imagine that you have a friend a bubbly, passionate, cool, outgoing friend whom is also a mother of twins whom is now currently pregnant. And the father of her children, all three of her children, is a public figure whom has seven other kids with four other women. And they're all very public relationships. And your friend tells you that even though from the outside looking in, it seems like a circus, for them, this feels like home. This feels like love. Do you believe her? And before you answer that question, I feel like we all owe it to ourselves to hear more of the story from the actual individual. Do you know what I think is actually pretty good, Abby? I don't know this story very well. Okay. So even when you reached out to come on the podcast... I was like, I'm fascinated because I don't know the story. I know the headlines. Yeah. So then I was like, I could either research and then come in here and ask you all the pointed questions. Yes. Or I could just be like, what's going on over there?
1: Yes. So, <laughs> what's going <laughs> on either, over there? Either way, it's going to all sound a little out of this world. But nonetheless, it's your world. It's my world. So it's baby. in the world. It's in the world. It's my world. You think, you know, but you But you, you have, have no, no idea. idea. This is the dark
0: of Abby DeLaRose. This is it. This is
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, take me back.
0: Well,
1: I really, number one, I really admire all the work that you do and the way you live your life very openly and honestly. Thank you. And um, going back to open relationships, before I had met Nick, who's my children's father. I was in a full monogamous relationship five years I devoted myself I submitted myself and then obviously and, monogamy was all that you thought for yourself all that I thought for myself at that time like going home and having the the same routine the same pattern and um it wasn't until that relationship came to an end and I thought, okay, I'm gonna live my life a little bit more freely, which I don't exactly know what direction that's gonna take me, but I'm gonna do that. And Nick ended up being one of the few men that I was dating at the time. Um one relationship what or one connection I should speak, because they weren't relationship, they're all connections. One connection brought uh, a deep emotional vibe. One brought this nurturing vibe. One brought this spontaneous vibe and Nick brought a freeing vibe. And I feel like when you feel free in any situation, it's transformative and it allows you space to really just still focus on yourself, but still enjoy what could come from Uh, connection with the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever your your preferences and I found myself uh, when he leaned in a little bit more I found myself more drawn to that freeing experience as opposed to okay maybe another monogamous relationship isn't really the best answer for me let me just experience what this avenue could take me. It
4: sounds a lot like my story. I was in a monogamous relationship for a long time, on and off, long distanced, lived together, tried every configuration to try to make it work. It just wasn't working. And then towards the end of that relationship, I remember suggesting opening it up to my partner because it was so... Difficult and miserable, which yes. I think is never the best place to embark on an open relationship Yes, from a space of like, I can't stand your fucking ass, so let me yes. see if I can invite somebody else to lighten this shit up. Yes. Um, but I left that relationship, which was obviously the better choice, and then I was just dating. And I was dating many people at one time and really enjoying that space. And I love how you describe like somebody gave you intellectual energy and yes. somebody gave you freeing energy and somebody who had great sexual chemistry. Yes. And, but it sounds like at that point then – you then narrowed in
1: on Nick. Yes, who then became my children's father. Um, that I've always known the type of lifestyle he had lived. Um, I, just not the capacity of the life of how big it really was. I think that uh, I was in media and in music. So just seeing him around and knowing, I mean, he does interview after interview where he says, I can't do the the standard monogamous relationship I've been married once I I don't you know see that again and I take what people say into like into heart so when I met him and our connection was very freeing and it was very fun and open I took that exactly for what it is so I didn't ask no questions I didn't I didn't say so how many exact how many people exactly how many women exactly are you sleeping with you were loosely
4: already familiar
1: loosely already familiar. because even
4: that this is how little I have looked into this story I didn't know that he was actively into an open or polyamorous style lifestyle yes I thought that he just happened to get all these women pregnant like one monogamous connection at a time yeah but instead he had already chosen this lifestyle for himself yes
1: so I can't speak on nobody else, but what I will say for myself is very—I was very self-aware and well aware of what I was getting involved in, and, and you weren't getting involved. Like, well, I'm gonna be the one oh, to make no. you As a matter monogamous. Of fact, no, that's probably the complete opposite. I think that's where him and I kind of had a disagreement at one point because I said we both had like a sit-down conversation, and I remember telling him, "This is just sex, right? Like, this is not." going anywhere else than what we are experiencing now and he's like how do you say that like how are you able to say that and I'm like you do you and I'm gonna do me and then we'll get together in those moments enjoy those moments and we separate we go our separate ways so I never went into this thinking I'm gonna change the game so at that time when Nick and I were really getting involved with each other I was like this is great I get a self-help self-care so self-heal but still get a connection and still be inspired and motivated at the same time. At a woman of 30 years old, now I'm gonna
4: be 32. That's bananas that this is all over a two year span. Yeah. That's pretty intense, because people assume naturally, I think when women are in open dynamics or consensual non-monogamy, that they were coerced somehow. Oh yeah. Or that their partner essentially brainwashed them. Yes. But. I always feel so good about my decision because I chose it first, yes. and then I found a partner yes. who was like, oh, this makes the perfect sense for us to engage in this together. Yes. So is Nick your primary partner? Nick is my primary partner,
1: yes. I'm now, I'm during this pregnancy, I'm monogamous by choice. I'm monogamous by choice, and that's very important for me to state. But if a connection comes, and it doesn't necessarily have to be sex, and I think that's what everybody always thinks is, oh, my God, you guys are having one big orgy. And it's like, actually, no, it's actually quite the opposite. And it's beautiful. And it could be a form of intimacy that's not sexual. It could be deep conversations or, you know, these fun, random, spontaneous dates or trips. And I think that people are so focused on what it is that they're afraid of. And that's well, in truth, they're afraid of
4: what's happening to Nick.
1: They're afraid of it turning into multiple children. <laughs> it's so true. And I don't blame anybody, though, because it does. It looks out of this world. It looks out of the norm. So naturally, yes, I could understand everybody's distaste and disagreeance in the way that I have chosen to live my life. And I and I find it funny, too, when everyone's always coming and be like, he's playing you. And he's playing. I'm like, technically, speaking we all know uh, about each other it's just how much do you want to know how much are you choosing to know and I I find empowerment in my truth and in my reality and in the way I have formulated my life to be so whenever I get those comments like he's playing you I'm like like you said is he though like right I'm living well
4: there's a big difference between people who life is happening to them and people who are happening to life yes and it sounds like you've been happening to life. You've made decisions and then chosen a life to suit that. So was he your boyfriend? Did you guys ever come to terms with those
1: labels or? No, no labels were ever set. I mean, even now, no labels are ever set. I think it's safe to say we can, I I like to say we're family. But uh, I want to say it wasn't until after my sons were born that we that he became my primary partner. But life partner, I feel like, God, that scares me a little bit. Like the forever part of it scares me a little bit. And and I like to live in my moment right now and, and in my present and what's going on now and not think five years from now and 20 years from now, I, I'm enjoying what's happening. Well, in truth and fairness, you only met this person two years ago. We were always crossing paths for years, but the last two years has where it's really been put into this family box and oh shit we're really doing this and this is real life and this is really happening for us
4: so then leading up to that then
1: so at the time
4: he's just another person you're dating Mm -hmm. you get pregnant oops you get pregnant planned you get pregnant what
1: so i actually the way that that whole situation happened was nothing but the man above uh, my higher power because i was i had sepsis for five days i was in the intensive care unit had these tests taken the doc me and nick were still like back and forth but he had he had started to lean in a lot heavier at that time um i had all these tests done and the doctor was like okay you know you're not able to have kids you have like this going on, this going on, that going on. First of all, on. can
4: doctors stop saying that? Because right? I can't tell you how many fucking stories right
2: where
1: people they said who got an army <laughs> of babies they popped out or like, well, I was told I couldn't and have kids. And that's camps. where I feel like that's where it all happened for me. Like, is where when we reunited and reconnected after my whole hospital stay and when I got better after we linked up and I remember us having a conversation and I was like, listen, we're, like, we, we're good on... Whatever it is that we're doing, there's nothing more to this than just sex. And and then we had our first pregnancy. Now, that's where I had a miscarriage. And then Nick was like, well, let's try again. And, and at, at this time, was, how
4: many kids did he have?
1: Um, four. He had four. Yes, four. Mm. So I was open to the idea of having another pregnancy or attempting to get pregnant again. And it happened for us. And I didn't know I was going to have twins, clearly. So when they said, oh, you're having twins, I was like, okay, that just shot me from zero to a thousand real real quick. And, yeah. So this is a plan. Your twins were planned pregnancy. Yes, yes.
4: So then to clarify, you go to the doctor. They say that you can't get pregnant again. After that, you get more relaxed about protection. Yes. Um,
1: What about safe sex in terms of the fact that you guys have multiple partners? So we've always spoken about safe sex and knowing our status and knowing what's going on with our bodies. Um, We're both very health conscious when it comes to that. And Nick, he has his own ways of living in his, he has lupus. So he already is very conscious about getting his blood drawn and, and taking care of his sexual health, mental health, all types of health up and down the spectrum. And that, only inspired me so we didn't really put too much emphasis because we were both very well aware of what our status was and that went to anybody else who I happened to be sexually uh involved with which so you weren't sexually monogamous at that time yes I was when I got pregnant yes I was but
4: I mean like at the time that you guys stopped using protection because you're like we don't need it for birth control were you guys also sexually
1: monogamous I could say I was I can't I, that's all I'm speaking for is myself that's all you yes, can do yeah. yes ma'am yes <laughs> ma'am <laughs> so then you have this period of
4: time where you get pregnant what goes through your mind I mean obviously you were told this wasn't possible you're now pregnant with somebody who has four kids and you're living in your truth and in your joy and this could be an interruption to mm-hmm. this new found freedom that you had just found for yourself how did you feel? <sighs>
1: I think I just, I didn't feel what I probably should have felt because I didn't understand the capacity of what I was really about to embark on. I just, just like any other woman, when you get pregnant, you think it's about you. You think it's a, it's going to be a beautiful journey and everyone's going to congratulate you and period. That's the story. But I didn't really understand capacity of it and then it wasn't until probably about like three months after i really understood the full spectrum of what i was getting involved in
4: how did you feel about nick being the father of your kid
1: he i felt i felt comfortable i felt comfortable i felt safe and a lot of people I, i and i don't blame them for thinking oh it's money it's money it's money but That's not at all what this connection was built off of. And when somebody can really make you feel free and safe and protected, you don't really focus in on what's in your pockets. You focus in on, okay, this person, I can see myself co-parenting or sharing life and creating life with this person because they make me feel the best version of myself that I can possibly feel.
4: I think that a comfort too also has to come from financial security to some extent, which is not a bad thing. We are drawn to people who we know can provide for us during a very vulnerable time mm-hmm. and provide for our very vulnerable children.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, my the last relationship I was in that I was a monogamous for five years in, he wasn't financially stable at all, but he was rich in other things. And I think that that's what goes over our head is, okay, so this man might not be rich, but he was rich in in love and rich in ambition and his plans and his goals and I kinda took that more so as currency than, okay, yeah yes, this is Nick Cannon and he has everything he wants at his fingertips, but at the same time, what's your heart like? What's your character like? What is it that that I'm gonna see build future leadership qualities for our potential child or children, you know? But what was
4: your what are people gonna say voice? saying
1: oh shit <laughs> it really was oh it really was an oh shit moment Um, I don't think I understood the capacity of it until because you know what? I don't even think about the people more
4: so like the people you care about the people in your family your best friend like the fact that at the time then in theory this would have been his fifth kid yes. so there's already going to be a certain judgment on being the baby mother for that person.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm really blessed to have a really really supportive family. I think my mom and dad, um, my sister, my brother, all of them were just like as long as you're happy just cuz they've seen me in such a toxic relationship and in a toxic space that they thought as long as you're happy and this is healthy most importantly because we've seen you at your lowest of lows. And we're seeing this new change in you then we're for it my family was never and were you guys private
4: before that like
1: oh yeah very private very private i remember even when i put out that i was pregnant i the world still didn't know about who was my children's father or who i was involved with and i had never let it be known and then this one valentine's day just opened up the can of worms for everybody um me another woman in it two and two other women in his life all got sent the same balloons the same flowers the same everything and uh you know i'm thinking this is sweet this is my first pregnant valentine's day and then i open my phone to it's pandemonium. It's crazy. Oh, because it's... you posted it. Yes, I posted it. So, I didn't know the others were posting at the same time or what they were posting. I didn't even know um one of them was involved at the time with Nick. So, I'm thinking, "Oh, yeah, this is so sweet." You know, nope, was any of that news to you? No. No. Um I mean, anybody who's involved with Nick, I think that's great. That's beautiful. There's that's his world. That's not my world. And um, but I find it, I find it f- fun to be honest. Like, oh, look, they're involved with baby daddy too. That's sweet. Like, <laughs> I love it. But I think it was the the same balloons and all that. It's like, come on. Oh, so bitch. you could was have like, sent us be so fucking tacky. Yeah, like you could have sent us different color balloons <laughs> or different floral arrangements. And I remember sitting uh, Nick down and being like we got to talk like we got to really put names and categories of like what color balloons are going to like what flowers are best for who what would wear and he th- he thinks I'm just funny whenever I say that but I really mean it I'm really just trying to prevent these crazy situations from happening and having the world just attack us like crazy and I know people are like how do you find trust in an open relationship it's real easy it, it's real easy you just have to understand like to get get out of the same old mundane thinking of monogamy and that i need to own a person and be with a person 24 7 and this and find beauty within yourself and the connection that you build with somebody and i trust the connection that i have with nick
4: the recipe for trust is consistency plus time and Mm. so if someone is consistently honest with you up front consistently clear they meet their expectations when they are yeses or yeses. That's a yes. When they're no's or no's, it's a no. You can like rest assured on that. And when you experience that over time, you can develop trust. Trust has nothing to do with monogamy or non-monogamy.
1: Now, don't get me wrong. We're all humans, So Nick is not perfect because there's times where he's been a little hesitant with being completely honest. And I think that that's something that uh, everybody wants to go in and and state like, oh, there was honesty, there was honesty. Sometimes there's not, and you are really left in the dust of finding out things on your own or through fake social media accounts. What's going through your head, and how does your relationship dynamic change during that time while you're pregnant
4: and experiencing all of these opinions from the world?
1: Shut down. Complete shutdown. Um, I didn't know how to maneuver through it. I didn't know how to be guided through it. It was only because of my support system, which... Is when I say my support system, it's always going to be my sister off top. Um, it w- it wasn't because... Your sister's of- here, right? She is yeah. here. She's behind <laughs> the camera. She's here. She is my support system. But she was the one that was really like, we got to refocus you. We have to really find some silver lining in this for you because I was devastated. I mean, I've never been hit with thousands of people just telling me their hate for me or what and they why, feel
4: why were they mad at you is it because he had a primary partner who was public and a partner that was public and then you looked like the mistress why were they mad
1: um I think he had several partners at the time but I feel like just his re- his track record of relationships at the time had maybe been a little bit more intensified I mean he had a uh lover over here that you know they were going strong and they've been involved for years and then he had um another beautiful family over here that he has and then he has his ex-wife who's the queen of all queens (laughs) so people feel so invested you know so did they view you as a homewrecker yes who helped you my sister your sister yeah Mm -hmm. my sister and was
4: nick able to prepare you given the fact that he had obviously grown up around this and then two had other partners had gone through this
1: Yeah, no, no, I don't think he that's his responsibility to either, to be very honest. I think he could do so much and he could tell you like uh, Nick, Nick is a very positive person. So he's going to tell you, oh, just let it, you know, they're all just it's just all hate. It's just all people who don't refuse to understand. And 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 it's easy for somebody who has navigated in the capacity in which he's in which he's navigated in. For years and years and the level in which he's handled it has been a level that I hope I never have to reach either so I understand where his positivity was but sometimes that positivity you know is just toxic as well like I need some I need some direction at this point I need some some reality checks in this point and I was able to get it thank God through my sister but yeah.
4: So what does it feel like to have all these people telling you what your experience is, what your reality is?
1: I I used to find it so disheartening and just so. Um, at times it would it would make me feel sad, like how I'm trying to tell you guys I'm happy, but people want to I don't know. I'm now understanding what people are saying. It's sometimes really just a projection of what they're going through and, and what they're experiencing on their own. So I'm sorry you have to mask that you're happy when you're really miserable because whether I'm laughing and being joyous, people find that to be me hiding, me really being so devastated, me being pressed or it, it's it's almost – it's like a catch-22. Like it's a – It's a lose-lose, but at the same time I'm winning because I'm stating my truth and I'm living in my truth. But to have everybody think that there's negativity behind my truth.
4: It's funny because the ultimate form of intelligence, my husband always says this, is to be able to hold two competing truths at once. Mm. And we were having this discussion actually about him not being here for the birth. And I was like, on one hand, I am so happy for you. I am thrilled and I am, grateful you're getting this opportunity. On the other hand, I'm terrified and I'm pissed and I'm resentful. And both of these truths exist at the exact same time. And one doesn't negate the other. Yes. And so what are the two truths of your lifestyle? Because on one hand, it's joyful and it's happy and you consented and you chose this every step of the way. What's the other competing truth that's like, this is the shitty part that doesn't infringe on this. But yes, these are where the challenges lie
1: that there's more life after this. Like there's more, um, that this isn't my forever.
4: What does that mean? Does that mean you're happy in this lifestyle, this arrangement right now? You're pregnant with this person's kid right now, but ultimately this is not your happily ever after? Yes, yes. What about this scenario and arrangement doesn't feel like it would be conducive to your best future self that's a good question it's an easy question you have the answer ready to go but you're just like what do i how do i word this how do i (laughs) yes
1: i'm trying to find the right words to answer that
4: because you know what i had this conversation actually recently with a friend of mine who just got out of a relationship and it was a really difficult place that she was in where it was like I ended the relationship and I'm really happy about it. I love what we had. I know going forward it's not what I want, but I'm really happy. You can be somewhere and be completely content and see this as a stepping stone without that meaning that this is miserable and unhappy. Yeah. So I'm uplifting your, you know, in that of being like, yeah, right now I am so happy here, but I have a vision for
1: myself and I can see why this wouldn't fit that. How how open, open this is, like um, on his end. I I want to be able to have an open relationship and be happy the way that I am now with my next partner, but I can't, we're going on several, several kids now. I I wanna be able to have a conjoined family with somebody else who has kids, or another person who really will understand my type of lifestyle cuz it's not easy coming into this but oh my god I feel like I need to answer that question better sorry Shan I'm really just thinking about this so i it... you so want a nervous. sister hug moment? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just I'm just so nervous cuz I've had these conversations with him but I've never but he thinks it's like a joke that I'm really in this forever. I'm, I'm like, no. I, I, I just see myself, to answer your question, I think I see monogamy for myself down the line, and this won't get me there. Um, but I'm, I love where I'm at at this very moment, but it's not my forever.
4: What about your existence informs that truth for you? What are you not getting now that you know ultimately you really want.
1: I don't think any relationship has it all, to be very honest. And I think that uh, it's a constant work in progress. Your needs aren't always gonna be met. Your, sometimes the respect isn't always there. Sometimes you feel lack of love. I just know deep within my heart of hearts because I do get so much, I get companionship. I I get the fun out of it. I get the sexual satisfaction. I get the emotional satisfaction. But I just know in my heart of hearts that this isn't my forever person.
4: You know why I know it's not your forever without any more information? Because I talk to people a lot about this. And it's always interesting how they can describe one relationship with someone so concretely positive. Because your relationship is with your sister. You know, she's here right now. It's not perfect. She lets you down sometimes. But there's nothing in you that feels a need to caveat with that. Yeah. So we know what it's like when we are in a union that deeply uplifts us and meets the needs based on that connection. Yes. And when we're in one that we're like, are there elements? Yes. But there are a lot of other elements that I know are possible for me. Yes.
1: And I think that's where eventually I'll get to that to get experience all those other elements. And I mean, my parents are still married of 30 something years. I grew up in a two parent household, but I do feel like there was there's, so much beauty in my situation now again going back to when i said i feel like this has transformed me to a better mother a better lover
4: if someone just tuned in for this part right now there's many babies not many women there's many women but there's only mm-hmm. like four baby moms right five <laughs> i got I'm not good at the math but <laughs> there's there's,
1: there's many women there's there's uh, there's a A array of women.
4: Cornucopia of women.
1: Yes. Many children. Many children. Beautiful children at that. What would you say? That being in a situation or a polyamorous, if you would, if you absolutely need a label in a polyamorous relationship, doesn't mean you have a low self-esteem or low self-worth.
4: So if you were to make a declaration about how you want people to reflect or respond on your life or even why you chose to be here, What boundaries do you want to put in place and what leeways do you want to say? Here's where I'm welcoming your feedback.
1: That's where I'm trying to find the perfect balance for myself, just because I'm new to being a mom, but I'm not new to this media world. And I used to tease clickbaits and now I become a clickbait. So it's wild to see the way that the tables have turned, but I become hypersensitive when people attack me and my motherhood.
4: Talk your shit right now, Abby. Tell people where you want them to
1: back up. (laughs) Just when it comes to me being a mom, I don't even think I scratched the surface. I might show us at a class or two, but me being open in my relationship does not change or take away from the type of mother that I am to my kids and the wholeness that I am to them and and the the strength that I share with them. And I'm I'm excited for my kids to grow up and be like, Mom and dad, y'all did it your way. And I love that. And I hope my kids could eventually do it their way, whatever that may be, in whatever capacity that is, to do it their way. Not the way that the world wants them to do, not to read every textbook out there, but to do it their way, the way that mom and dad did. And I would just want people to stay the fuck away from my motherhood. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Period. Everything else y'all could dabble in, because I love it, but... My motherhood, that's, that's something I don't play with. Yes. Throw it. Throw it.
4: <laughs> Huge shout out to Abby De La Rosa for coming through and dropping her truth like it's hot, knowing that many listeners will think that it's not. I also really want to lean into the last thing that Abby said, which is back up from her motherhood. And instead, I want to give a call to action for those of us listening in this community who come from a compassionate place to lean into her motherhood right now. I'm about to give you Abby's Instagram, which is instagram.com slash hi Abby De La Rosa. And if you follow her, I think she's private, I'm not quite sure, but if you follow her and she accepts you and you have an opportunity to say something, say something loving and kind about her as a mom. Now I can't speak for her because we didn't talk about this, but as a new mom, it is such an insecure place. And people's commentary, even though they're so far removed from your reality, can still get to you because that's how much you care about this job and that's how unsure you are that you're doing a great job. So it's just always nice to take a moment, if you have it, to just let a mom know like, hey, you're killing it, you're rocking it, your kids are lucky to have you. Um, And Abby, you're killing it, you are rocking it, your children are so, so, so lucky to have you. And if you want to invest further in Abby and her story, she also has an OnlyFans account where she shares parts of her life that she doesn't show online and answers questions a lot more directly. And that is OnlyFans.com slash Abby De La Rosa. All right. So for the final segment of this podcast, as you know, this is the reflective third piece where I model the kinds of conversations that I hope you have with your friends based on these episodes. And so I brought in one of my dearest LA friends, who is also my hairstylist, Kenya Alexander.
3: I'm also an actor.
4: And I also brought in a licensed marriage and family therapist.
2: Hi, I'm Mayana Gethers. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a feminist therapist. I'm co-founder of the feminist therapy group Practice Bridges Healing located in Long Beach, California. I am also a writer and creator of Original Guided Meditations. All of my meditations are streaming on all major streaming platforms, YouTube and Insight Timer.
4: And together, we discussed the concept of Believe Women. So... Let's get into it. And I thought about you for this, Ken, because when I met you, you were engaged. Mm -hmm. And I viewed you guys as the perfect couple.
3: Strange. Well, because
4: you guys are both in the same industry. Uh You looked great together. Uh I saw you at Jared's show together. You guys were all loved up on each other. And it was a shell shock to me when the two of you guys broke up. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if you sort of related to that, like, hey, it might've
3: appeared one way from the outside, but within it was very different. A thousand percent. Mm -hmm. I look back on that relationship. I learned so much about love, I learned so much about myself, mm-hmm. about how I am in a relationship, about mm-hmm. what I didn't bring to that relationship. But I also know I was deeply miserable in that mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And I tried for a long time to not be miserable. Yeah, And I didn't tell anyone I was miserable until it was like towards the very end. Mm-hmm. But when we did break up, so many of my loved ones and like the closest people to me, we weren't very close yet, Chan, mm-hmm. but like so many people who I know and know me were like, Ken, like I didn't want to say anything, but I knew, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew that, but they were there for me and supporting me. And because mm-hmm. I said I was happy, they were happy to have me say I was happy I guess. Right. And so all I could express to them after was like please if you see that again if you see the signs and I'm not seeing it, let me know. Mm-hmm. But then also I get why people mind their business.
2: Right. So right. it's just
3: like I don't know, it's it's Well, hard. you would have wanted
2: people to I would have
3: wanted people to tell me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have taken it. You <laughs> know, I can't yeah. say I would have it would have right. been positive every time. I can't say that I wouldn't have cried. I can't say that, you know, But I would have appreciated it, I think, Mm -hmm. more than the silence and the just going with it. Because literally everybody was like, girl, I knew it. Because I have
4: been in both situations. I'm in a relationship now that because of our dynamic being a bit more free, a lot of people naturally assume that I'm not happy, but it's Mm -hmm. like the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. It's the craziest thing in, oh my god. I'm on the internet, baby. (laughs) yes that's crazy so many people you know I'll see in the comments I mean less and less as time goes on because you know when we first came out it was 90% right Mm, and then as time proves we're just and our commentary all along has been just stay tuned right Mm -hmm. if you think we're gonna crash and burn just stay tuned just watch just watch (laughs) and it's so fascinating to be like wow this is actually the one area that I feel completely confident if you want to attack me come for my credit like there are so (laughs) many areas in my life that I don't feel secure in right Ever, <laughs> my previous relationship was somewhat public before I was actually, you, know, a public figure I was just mm-hmm. an individual in the world. And I was deeply miserable.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Deeply, sadly, I lived with this person. I remember thinking at one point, "Man, there is not one piece of carpet or hardwood floor that has not seen my tears mm-hmm. in this place that we live together." Mm-hmm. And I told everybody I was happy, and yeah. I tried to project happiness so yeah. much. And so I was like, I get why people would have these second guesses because Mm -hmm. what was the difference in terms of how I was portraying these relationships even Mm -hmm. though my reality was so different within them. So, Ken, I know you to have a very diverse love life. Do you know what I'm (laughs) I'm saying when I say that? Yeah. Because you're in a lot of different relational dynamics, Mm -hmm. not all of them. Many of them, the goal is not forever. Yes. They're like, oh, this is what this person is for now. Or you're testing out different things priorities in relationships Mm -hmm. I've seen you test out priorities of like there is attraction but not necessarily camaraderie or companionship and then some where you're like it's all companionship but attraction's not there and so as somebody who is going through that which I think is kind of what Abby's in
3: how do you want people to respond especially friends that has been a tricky space for me to navigate in um after my last relationship I it I took a I took a stand back from like letting people know like who I was talking to and why mm-hmm. I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. I think I was open with you and Kevin about it because we were just around each other all the time. And you would ask like you are one of my friends who like literally sits down and asks me questions. Mm-hmm. I want my friends to just be excited and supportive of all the things that I'm doing. Um, I do have some friends who hold me to a higher standard um, than I can sometimes live up to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that disappoints me. But for the most part, I just want everyone to be supportive. Like, okay, you talking to that one because it is All right, girl, cool. <laughs> that one because it is All right, I love mm-hmm. it. How mm-hmm. is he treating you? Great. You're happy? Okay, we'll go with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that is what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure out all of the pieces that make me happy. Hopefully, my overall goal, I guess, like Abby, is to be in a monoga- monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And so until I do, I'm just going to have little things here and there. mm What's the difference between the version of you
4: now that's like, no, when I say that I'm happy, believe me, Mm -hmm. and the version of you when you were in your
3: last relationship that was like, hey, even if I say I'm happy, if you see something, question me? Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I'm just a lot more confident in myself. So I know I'm older, I've had more experience. I feel like my relationships reflect that, like, I've become a lot more close. With my friends, yeah. I've become yeah. a lot more open with my friends. Because mm-hmm. I was insecure before, mm-hmm. I would just not say a lot of things. Yeah. And because I'm becoming more open, I think the my loved ones can see that, mm. hopefully. That gives me an
4: aha, too, because I think about that being a big difference for me in that at the time that I was in this negative relationship, but trying to portray it positively— That was everything in my life. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. I always think about that game from Sesame Street, like one of these things doesn't belong. (laughs) And you gotta pick it out.
3: Three of these things are kind of the same.
4: But one of these things just doesn't belong here. And it wasn't like my negative relationship didn't belong. Mm -hmm. It actually was perfectly... Belonged in the rest of
3: your life, (laughs) right? Because everything was kind of like... Everything. Yeah.
2: Why do you think, for both of you in these situations, why do you think kind of carrying on in these situations that were making you feel miserable? Why do you think that that was the choice that was made in those moments?
4: I think there's a little bit of sunk cost theory mm-hmm. where you've invested so much mm-hmm. that you want to see a return on your investment. Mm-hmm. And especially in my scenario, the person I was dating had a negative reputation. And mm-hmm. so there was warnings in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to double back and be admit how you were wrong i was wrong Mm -hmm. you know i'm Mm -hmm. dead ass wrong um so i think that there was a little bit of that and then also just to like you're in love Mm -hmm. and in love is an addiction and so regardless if it's a positive or a negative in your life like you just decide that this is what it is and i also think that there's mantras out there like love is hard work Mm -hmm. and so you accept that this is a part of the hard work you know Mm -hmm. there's no real further explanation as to like okay there's hard work and there's like Hey, I'm in the coal mines, exactly. and I might die next <laughs> exactly. year. Exactly. Right. Like, there's right. a difference between challenging and backbreaking, soul-crushing mm-hmm. hard work. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when we don't know how to differentiate the two, then we just throw ourselves into these awful, toxic relationships and then tell ourselves, "Well, this is what it takes." Mm-hmm. I remember I was at a restaurant once, and I was sitting there with him, having an awful time. And there was a mural behind him that said, "Look inside your heart, and all there is is love, love, love." And I was like, this is what I have to remember. Mm -hmm. Like I can love enough for both of us. Mm -hmm. I can give enough like inside me, Mm -hmm. I am capable to make this relationship work. work.
3: Girl, yes, but no. But no. Yes, (laughs) but no. Like, yes, that you had that realization because eventually got you here to where you are, but like, no. Like, no, that's not okay. Right. It should be both parties giving that much.
4: Yeah, but that's the thing is you actually genuinely believe, again, in a weird way that this is a positive Mm -hmm. relationship and that this can work out and this Mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. So interestingly for you saying that you wish people said something, Later, when you think back and you're out of it, you're mm-hmm. happy for those who said something. But at the time, I distanced myself from anybody who had anything negative to say.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: I didn't get any of that. But I get why you would. That yeah. makes sense that you would. Is because like, like, oh, you, you're you not supportive of my relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not supportive of my man. Or sometimes it can be a little embarrassing to me. I, yeah. I felt a little bit of embarrassment. Yeah. Um. I didn't want to double back and be like, oh, I've spent five years with this guy. Now I'm quitting, right, you know? Or like right. when I was very publicly engaged mm-hmm. and then all of the pictures are gone. Yeah. And literally all of the DMs, girl, where's your ring? What <laughs> happened? <laughs> Where are the pictures? And I'm ignoring all of them, but right. it's clear what happened. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So for me, it was that. Like I didn't want to be embarrassed about spending five years with this guy that people maybe not like so much.
2: Yeah. And yeah. now here I am. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also, you know, we're not given a lot of grace to go through our process, mm-hmm. to learn, to to change how we wanna respond to things. But it also goes to the, I think the larger thing of, we just don't give grace for any process. Not all relationships continue. A lot of them don't. You know, Sometimes sure. you have to go through a few in order to find maybe one that you're feeling content and it's constructive and you're doing hard work that isn't crossing lines. And And I think I, I liked what you said about the coal mines. Because a lot of times when I'm working with people, we'll talk about, okay, there's there's hard work, there's misunderstandings, there's hurt, there's conflict. That's all p- normal parts of relationship. But is it crossing a line? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling terrible? Is it disrespectful? Are, you, are your boundaries consistently being crossed? Is this person negating you in some type of way? Are they discounting you?
4: And that's kind of the question I have for all of this because I think naturally listening to someone's experience that, treads the line Mm -hmm. when one because it's an unrelatable experience as this situation is it's out of this world for many people or two because that person maybe does hold two contrasting truths Mm -hmm. but I would love an expert opinion on like how should we actually respond when we're in these situations where
2: we're like I want to believe what you're experiencing but it's difficult for me to believe Mm -hmm. yeah so I, I think there's a, a few things that we can do. First one is 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 to believe. Let's just get on board and and believe. There's really no harm done in believing. Where we start to enter into harmful spaces is when we're not believing people. And if they believe it, then that's the support, is just coming in and believing them. The second thing, especially when we're dealing with friendship and you're talking about kind of wishing you had that feedback, is checking in. Hey, when I'm listening to the situation. Uh, do you want some feedback? Do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to vent with you? Do you want me to distract you? And the last thing I would say is reserve judgment. Nobody needs judgment. Judgment is super harmful. There's never really a good space. You know, we can offer constructive feedback. I have a bestie when we talk and, and we're she's wanting my my feedback. I don't go in going you're doing this or this is this or this is judgment. I go, okay, well let's let's think about this and and what I know about you is that that doesn't usually make you happy. Mm. So can we talk about that? But that's that's pointing out, you know, just what's going on for them. Or you're saying you're happy but you're, you know, you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you're not caring for yourself. So I'm concerned about about that. And that's a very again, a very different tone, but I'm also coming in with I've I've giving you the space. So let's talk about that. What what is, what is this happiness feeling like to you? What is, what? how would you like to process that? How are you defining it? And sometimes I'll even say my definition of happiness might be different than yours. So let me define what happiness looks like for me and can you please define what happiness looks like for you so that we can get on the same page? I think I've switched and I think a lot of, some people who listen
4: to the podcast are disappointed about that version of me.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I think in around 2018, I made a conscious effort to switch my language from that's crazy to that's fascinating mm. in everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Like if someone says something to me that I think is crazy, you say it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating. Cause it yeah. is, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, right. Uh, like, Oh man, like I like, to put hot sauce in my cereal. Right. That shit's crazy, but it's also really fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> like, why do you need wow. Tell me more. Like, yeah. Me more. <laughs> yeah. <does> <laughs> and then uh, the more that I kind of took on that mindset, the more that I realized that when I led with that's fascinating, somebody would say something to me that I would be like, oh, wow, I could never see it from that perspective. Mm. Right. And so leading with that curiosity, then you mm-hmm. actually get to learn a lot more. Yes. Um, but then you teach a lot less. Yeah. So, yeah, so I wonder about that, too, if it's better to... Ask questions and let that person give mm-hmm. themselves the advice. Mm-hmm. Then it is, and I wonder from a therapist perspective. And I actually love that you said like you believe people first and foremost, mm-hmm. because I would think as a therapist, you're like, okay, <laughs> here's I reality, so much. here's you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to get you there.
3: That's because we're naturally skeptics, yeah. Jan. We're naturally like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's, that's who we are. Yeah. But I love
2: that. Like, you believe. Yes, I do. I do believe people. Because even if things are going to change, even if they're going to go through their journey and go, actually, that doesn't work for me, that's what they believed themselves in that moment. So how is it helpful for myself in, in the therapeutic relationship, but anybody to go, no, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, not no. 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 No, no. No. Sorry. <laughs> It hurts. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pardon me, but I'm I'm, I'm going to object. So it, it doesn't work, right? And, and that's the beauty of believing and, and creating that support is that when something does happen, if it happens, that person knows I can trust this person to support me through it because they supported me through all of this. They let me go through my process. It's very isolating when when mm. you don't get believed when people are, are passing judgment on you and and you you talked about that disappointment. They may not want to come to you, you know, they may not want to come to that person who's who's passing that. But if they're like, I believe you now, I'll believe you then, I'll believe you in the future, and I will yeah. hold space for you in whatever ways that you're ready to hold space for yourself.
4: That brings us to the end of the show, baby baby. And speaking of the show, a little insider baseball, we are now with a podcast network called Audio Boom. We were with someone else previously, then we were independent for a while. You probably didn't know none of this was happening behind the scenes, but this officially is the first episode that goes out on Audio Boom, which is our new home. For at least a year i'm so grateful for this partnership and for the opportunities it will showcase you haven't heard ads in a while it's because we've been alone and hopefully that will change in the future and hopefully that doesn't change the way you feel about this podcast and can i just say a thank you to everybody who has taken the time to tell me how they feel about the podcast through the rate and review section i was trying to pull it up to read some but my phone is being weird where it's not allowing me to use my face to unlock it i guess maybe i'm happy and it's not used to that nonetheless if you have rated and reviewed lovers and friends on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, shout out to you. And if you haven't, I'm taking a shot at you right now. Come on. You got a couple minutes, you got 30 seconds. You can actually go over there and give me a one star for being pressury and be like, she is real pressury. I enjoy the episodes till the end. Then she gets real prickly and pokey. I don't care what you do. I just want to showcase to the world that there's an active community who is involved in this podcast and who takes these conversations seriously and holds me accountable, but furthermore is proud to say that I've listened to Lovers and Friends and I think other people should too. And if you feel that way, then go over and rate and review the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our first official week back. I just wanna share that this has been a great week for me. Jared is still away on tour, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I cry every single day in missing him, but I also cry tears of joy in seeing how happy he is and um, being able to connect with him in just a different way from seeing a different side of him, being able to live out his dreams, and I can't wait for him to come back, but I'm also really happy that he is doing what he does. That's what I was talking about in the episode, you know, being able to hold both truths, but in the meantime, here's an incredible truth, is that my mom and my dad are here from Canada, and I feel very supported and rallied around by my community here, um, both online and in the physical. And it's been pretty great having two babies. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been so reaffirming through this whole thing and knew I would get here. Um, not to say that I'm here forever, but I am definitely here right now and it feels good and it feels amazing to share that with you. Okay, we'll talk next week. Bye.
3: Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip,
0: baby. I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say.